Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. Uh, I'm the worship pastor at Compass Point, and with me today is Pastor Chris Heiss. How are you doing this morning, Chris? Hey, uh, doing fine, Dave. Glad to be back. I'm looking forward to digging into the second part of this conversation today. Yeah, and happy Father's Day. Happy belated Father's Day, I guess. Thank you very um, and much we know, to you. Yeah, we know that this is... Um, yeah, Father's Day is a unique one, right? It's it's great to celebrate uh, for some of us being a dad, for some of us having our dads and having good dads. And I know also a lot of people who can't be dads or no longer have dads. Um, so just I just want to say, like, we're with you on this Father's Day, and I mm-hmm. hope that you can feel the love and uh, presence and even the appropriate kind of mourning that Father's Day comes with. But we're not here to talk about Father's Day. We're here to talk a little more about our re-entry series. Uh, and on Sunday, you talked a little bit about rule of life, a little bit about training versus trying. Do you want to give us a little recap from Sunday? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, we're in this re-entry series. We're thinking about heading back into life after the pandemic. Um, and so I think a lot of what's come up for me is just realizing some of the things that we're carrying with us. And one of the things that we carry with us is some disappointment. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of times, you know, I go to bed at the end of the day and I'm just feeling like, wow, I didn't accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. I wasn't as engaged maybe as I wanted to be with maybe with my family or, um, my friends or whatever, but also with God and, and just feeling low sometimes about what's happened. I think the, the, the pandemic has accentuated that. And so we kind of talked about that being a symptom of this lack of intimacy with Christ. Uh, we looked at John 15 and talked about his uh, instructions, Jesus's instructions to abide with him. I love the language there, the original language, talking about making our home in Christ, hmm. even the idea of walking about or sojourning in Christ. Um, and so we just tried to think uh, together about how that would look. And you know, we have a great tool that the ancients have, have tried and practiced called rule of life. Um, and so I wanted to dig into a little bit about what that looked like and how some of those ideas or principles uh, might make their way into our lives and help us as we work to really make our home in Christ um, and create intimacy with him. Yeah, I love that rule of life. Um, and it, it is, you know, initially when you hear that phrase, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been familiar with it for a while, but even the first time I heard it, growing up in an evangelical church, like, first of all, you hear rule and you're like, no, like the gospel is not about rules, it's about grace. So like, why why is rule of life not a, like an anti-grace thing? Can you kind of unpack and, and help me feel a little more comfortable with this idea of a rule of life, Chris? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, yeah, it's really important to clarify. It's not rules for life. Hmm. You know, it's rule of life. Uh, it's a phrase, it's a title of a concept. And so, you know, I talked about on Sunday, the meaning of that word, really talking about, you know, regulating um, or being regular. Um, and, and even how, you know, a lot of scholars believe that that word was the word that was used to describe a trellis that holds up uh, a vine in a vineyard. And so I think yep. that image in particular is really helpful to try to, to, to help us to understand the value here. Um, because, you know, I think for us to be able to flourish, for us to be able to be at our best, we have to have mm. space to grow. Uh, we have to, you know, have access to the proper sunlight. Um, and so if you think about that, I know, I know that we're not farmers, so sometimes it's hard to think through these images. But I think if we think about that image, it helps us to get a better sense of, of what rule of life is meant to do. And so the idea here is that, you know, you're just um, adopting a rhythm of practices that help you to welcome Jesus and to respond to him. Um, and so it's really ordering your life in such a way that the, the activities allow you to live out the fruit of the spirit, to, to have space, to create intimacy with Christ. Um, and so, you know, it, it shouldn't be burdensome. We know that Jesus says, you know, that his 
His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He invites people to follow him. And so I think that's kind of where we get into trouble as we hear a word or a phrase like rule of life or we, you know, maybe coming out of our Christian experience have been asked to do, you know, a list of 100 things to make us better Christians. Yeah. Um, but here, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is let's find a few things that bring us incredible joy that help us to create intimacy with Jesus and then lean into those things for a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um and, and I, as I've wrestled through this idea of rule of life, I've I've come to the conclusion that everyone carries an informal rule of life, right? Like even think about what are the habits that define you or your family? Um, what do you normally eat for breakfast or what time do you eat? Like that's a simple one, right? And you, you notice when you have friends over or if you remember way back to when we could have friends over um, or, or, you know, when you were uh, getting to know friends in high school or college, like people had different habits and rhythms and it was unique. I know when I was growing up to be realize other people have different rhythms than I do. Um, and I think this is true. And, and this, this idea of habits being something that shapes us and, and trying to find the right rule of life. I mean, we don't use that phrase, but you think about new year's resolutions. Um, people often sit down at new year's and they say, I want to read more books. I want to spend less time doing this. I want to, you know, not check my phone every morning. First thing. Um, these are some of the things that are actually part of this rule of life. Uh, but there's this intentional kind of, um, push towards, meeting Jesus in this and this, yeah, I love this idea of the trellis. And I would say if you, if you're not, if you're not into the natural world, if you're not into gardening or farming, um, it's actually a good thing to learn about because man, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about some of these, uh, these vines and branches and growing grapes and vineyards and that kind of stuff. Um, it's probably good to learn a little bit about that if you want to get to know, get to know Jesus well. Uh, but, but talk to me a little more, Chris, you've, you've been, um, You've been experimenting with, wrestling with, reading lots and, and hearing lots about rule of life for the past little while. Um, what have you found particularly joyful and good about this? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, a big part of this is maybe getting away from some some wrong thinking. You know, I think, mm. uh, you know, certainly depending on your personality, um, depending on your Christian experience and, and maybe how you've, how you've grown up. Um, I think there can be a lot of pressure around this and a lot of uh, negativity, you know, around spiritual practices because, you know, we get into this idea that if we could just accomplish more of them, that somehow God will love us more. Um, that if we could just, you know, complete more spiritual tasks, somehow we'll be better. And, you know, sure, there is some value for sure in, in doing more spiritual things. But I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to motivation. It's very unique to your person. Mm. And so I think one of the things that I've loved about exploring the concept of rule of life is that it's it's really uh, been focused, again, on finding things that help us to create space. So eliminating hurry, which we talked about last week. Finding yeah. things that help us in our unique uh, space and calling to be able to relate to Jesus. And that might look slightly different for each person. Um, and I think it's also, there's a huge focus on things that actually bring me great joy. Um, and so, you know, if I'm slogging away doing the same quote unquote discipline for 25 years and it's not working, um, I think in the old system that I was living in, you know, I would just say, well, I got to keep doing that or I got to get back to that or I got to, you know, I got to work harder to make it happen or whatever. Pray for me. I need yeah. help. And, and it wasn't bad maybe to do those things, but it, it wasn't being successful. Uh, whereas in this way of thinking, you know, I'm now, you know, inviting the Holy Spirit to tell me and to teach me what are the things I should be leaning into? 
uh, the thing, the amount of things I'm leaning into has broadened because I'm now looking at my whole life, my mind, my body, my spirit, my relationships, the way I spend money. I mean, you know, really I'm looking at all kinds of things. And I'm also putting particularly emphasis on things that bring me joy that, you know, I, where I feel fulfilled in my relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, not that some of the things that I engage in aren't difficult or aren't challenging. Sure. Certainly, I think it's still important to do those things. And there's some foundational things like Sabbath and, you know, sacred reading and prayer and things like that that we want to try to always have as a part of our rhythms. Mm. Um, but there just seems like there's some more freedom here. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a kind of a, a oxymoron in a sense that the idea is regulation and rule, but I feel like in that comes greater freedom. So that's been an interesting journey. Yeah, and that is one of the beautiful things about rule of life. Um, and it's not it's not super easy, right? I mean, I think you and I were both both raised in evangelical churches where, well, what what is it you need to do to be a good Christian? You come to church every week, you do daily devotions, which is reading a section of scripture. Uh, I mean, frankly, the more you can read, the the more like Jesus you're going to be, right? And then praying, which uh, you know, I've I've heard lots of sermons on praying, but never really was given kind of clear practices to do around praying so like i i've spent most of my life if i'm honest um trying really hard to do those things and feeling guilty when i haven't done a good job which has been most of my life even as a pastor um you know feeling like i should be reading more i should be doing this more and i'm not uh doing it and and what's been fascinating for for me and for our family as we've leaned into rule of life and specifically for us um sabbath and this this idea of taking a break uh it's it's messing with me in some really beautiful ways right now uh it's messing with my idea of like how i how i view my work and how i view my like need to do work uh, and not just my job but even work around my house and work with my family and and where is it that i actually find joy and where is it that i meet god and and how my body plays into my my soul right i mean i for so long you know, in sermons heard that body, mind, and soul. Well, those are three distinct categories and there's kind of clean lines between them. And no, actually that's the more I get to know about biblical languages and the Bible and, and read from people who've gone before the, the point is that we are one, we are, we're holistic beings. Um, and these things all interact with each other. So my need to get exercise and to be healthy and to eat well actually impacts my prayer time. Uh, and it impacts how I meet God and, and how much patience I have with my kids, right? Which is where the fruit of the Spirit comes out or doesn't come out so often. So uh, there's been, yeah, for me, it's been it's been a, a fun and challenging journey. Um, and I, I, think, I think that, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just going to say, I think, too, one of the other main things when we're thinking about, you know, rule of life, maybe over uh, some other traditional approaches that we may have used Um is that you know we have to be very cautious, no matter what method you know we're using, to keep in mind that the the spiritual discipline or practice is not the goal. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes we fall into that trap. I mean, I've done it. You know, we get this idea that you know reading through that book of the Bible that's the goal, or spending X amount of time in prayer that's the goal. Mm. Um, that's not really the goal. The goal is actually encountering the presence of God. Yeah. The goal is actually welcoming Jesus and responding to him. It's receiving the love of God and then loving others with that love. Um, and so, you know, I think a good question for us is, you know, there's no there's no reason to, to make a change if that's working. You know, if people are 
engaged in a variety of practices and they're finding that those things are true, hmm. that they're experiencing intimacy with Christ, that they're welcoming him, responding, that they're, you know, feeling like they have a greater knowledge of God's love and that are able to share that love, the fruit of the spirit are being exhibited in their lives, then, then that's working. You know, so I think that's great. I think it's for those of us that are feeling, wow, I'm doing all these things that are called spiritual, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I have intimacy with Christ. I'm not feeling joy in my life. I'm not feeling like I've really received and understood God's love. I'm not feeling like I'm really able to share that or that the fruit of the Spirit are being exhibited. And I think that's when we start to look at, okay, so how do we make space in our lives and engage with some new rhythms that would help help that to be true? And we evaluate. You know, that's the other thing. I think when we're, you know, adding a practice or changing a practice, I think the wonderful thing about rule of life of it is it, it changes and morphs it with seasons. Mm-hmm. And so we have the opportunity to do it for three months or six months or a year or, you know, whatever's going to work for us and then continue to reevaluate and say what's working and what's not working. Yeah. I love that. And that, I mean, that takes us well into this idea of training versus trying. I, I feel like this and rule of life go hand in hand as you, as you preached on Sunday. Um, yeah. You know, this, uh, we we kind of live in a world where it says you can do whatever you want to do um, if you just try hard enough. And and as you pointed out, actually, no, what, what you need to do is train. You need to do the work. And I, I know as a musician, I know this, right? And, and as my, my daughter is taking piano lessons, right? Like you want to get good at piano. You don't just like think about getting good at piano and decide you want to get good at piano. What do you do? You put in the hours. You practice. You have to, right? Like you have to, you have to train. And it's the same with um, any sport, any, anything, any, any job even, right? Like you just, we need practice doing these things, um, which is probably why they're called spiritual practices in rule of life. Right. Um, what, what can you like unpack that a little more for me, this training versus trying. And, and, um, I, I think we, like we cognitively understand this idea, yet we still, I still find myself being like, well, if I just try harder, it'll, it'll work. Right. Um, yeah. How do we, how do we break out of that cycle? How do we like learn to train and to do it in a way like, okay. So classic Dave here. Um, I occasionally often think I need to get more exercise. So what I typically do is decide I need to go for a run. So I put on my running shoes and go run a 5k even though I haven't run in six months or more. And then I come back and I'm just like wrecked for two days and like, don't run for another three weeks, which doesn't seem like the best way to train. Like what, um, yeah. What are some of the, the practices or the, the ways of thinking about training that aren't overwhelming and aren't kind of like jump in with both feet, but get us down this road. Yeah. Well, you, you listed the number one example, you know, a lot of people can relate to that in terms of setting a physical goal, mm. um, and then going too hard and, and then missing out on kind of the consistency of, it. you know, I've been watching, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon on YouTube, he's got, uh, videos that come up all the time. And one of them is the random instrument challenge. I don't know if any of you have seen that. And, uh, it's actually not funny. Like I, I, <laughs> every time I see it, I click it and I watch it and I'm like disappointed. Um, because I love most of his videos, but the, the, the instant random instrument challenge, basically what they do is they, uh, they pick a card, play a song and they have to play it on a random instrument that they've never played before. So they go out onto the stage and like Shaquille O'Neal is trying to play, you know, Mary had a little lamb on like a bass flute or, you know, an electric violin or something like that. And almost always they can play nothing on the instrument. Like it is just literally impossible and they're trying, you know, they are, they're trying their hardest to make sounds come out of those instruments, but it's not working. Um, well, that's, that's just a perfect example, you know, like yeah. 
unless someone has practiced, is familiar with the instrument, has, has spent time on it, they're just not going to be able to be effective and successful. And not only is that a lack of success, but it's certainly a lack of joy. I mean, yeah, we're laughing at them trying to play these instruments, but they're frustrated because no sound's coming out. Uh, so I think the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. I mean, we have somehow convinced ourselves that, hmm. you know, we should be able to do this quickly. You know, I talked on Sunday about the microwave versus the slow cooker. I don't know where we ever got the idea that we could pursue, uh, you know, a lifelong relationship with Jesus and follow him in his radical countercultural way and do that faster than we learn some other skill in our lives. Um, and so I think we just need to put that into perspective that, you know, a life of following Jesus is a life of, you know, apprenticing. Yeah. It's a life of practicing. It's a life of watching what he does and doing that. It's a life of, you know, being like Mary in that Mary and Martha story that we would sit and, and listen and receive from him so that we could then go out and be more like him. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I want to try to answer your question of where did we get this idea? Um, I, I think it's from the microwave. I actually think it's from this, this cultural, uh, thing that we've got where we think our machines are fast. We've, we've gone beyond just having tools and we've got to machines and that should be how we can learn stuff, right? I can listen to stuff faster. I can, I can find a more effective class to teach me stuff. Um, and I think back to the Matrix. I mean, the Matrix is probably the most, from whenever it came out, I think it was 99, the most referenced pastoral movie of all time. It's been in all the sermons. Uh, you know, do you want to know the truth and all that? But I actually think of that scene where, um, where he learns Kung Fu by having like a little thing put in the back of his head. And like, he learns Kung Fu instantly. Like he's just like, it downloads in and you're good to go. And I know we know that's not true, but we're surrounded in such a technological connected way. Um, even now, if I want to know something, I, I literally pick up my phone, hold a button and ask my phone a question and it'll tell me the answer. Um, right. The world isn't slow anymore. Stuff doesn't happen slowly. I can learn things quickly. Yeah, but I don't think it shapes us in the way that it needs to. And I do think there is something, there's something about relationship that's slow that right. needs to be, um, I mean, okay. One of the hilarious ways we practice this in our house, we don't own a microwave uh, partially because we don't have counter space for it. Uh, but I love it. I love the fact that it takes us longer to do stuff sometimes. Um, I don't always love it. And I still use the microwave at work when I need to heat up my lunch for sure. But um, I think there's something really good about embracing the fact that these things are slow and steady, uh, and that's where we meet Christ and find joy often. Right. Not that he doesn't occasionally break through and like meet us in a tremendous way, and but like we can't we can't force that. Um, yeah, I think that's so so important. Yeah. Well, I think you know, keeping two things in mind. One thing is that this journey that we're on is a relational journey, not a task based journey. Yeah. Um, and relationships happen slow. You know, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to get to know someone intimately and, you know, share camaraderie and, you know, begin to, you know, think and act in a similar way, you know, and do that mm -hmm. quickly. So I think, you know, that's, that's maybe the shift right there is thinking about, you know, spiritual practices less as tasks and more as relationship. And I think that that's probably a big part of where we're headed with this, which is a good thing. Also, I mean, let's face it, last week we talked about hurry, the problem of yeah. how there's actually a lot of negativity around trying to speed up and do more and more and more and fit it all in. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a, it's a spiritual practice for us, a speed of love um, to slow down 
Um, and you know, yeah. we can look through the scriptures and see times when Jesus slowed down in his encounters with people. And if he had rushed past, you know, they would have never received, you know, the wonderful response that he offered them. Sometimes it ended in healing or forgiveness mm-hmm. or being seen and known. And, um, and so there is something about the Christian life, the spiritual life that requires a slower speed. And yeah. so uh, I think this is helpful for that. I love that. Well, Chris, we're out of time. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts, any things you left out that you wanted to just mention here? Um, even any sneak peeks for next week or what? what's, I, I mean, you, you gave us a challenge on Sunday. You could recap that, whatever you want here. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, if you are um, looking to evaluate your practices, because I think we talked about that and maybe giving a little bit of advice around that, I, I would just remind people, you know, it's really important that if this is brand new to you, you need to start really slow. Think about it as one brick in a brick wall. Hmm. Um, you want to be looking to, you know, add a practice. It could be as simple as a daily walk. Um, it could be, you know, a Sabbath period, a rest period once a week. It could be just a time where you have a bit of silence. That could be as little as two minutes. You know, yeah. before you start a task, um, an examine is another thing that would be really good. So like mm-hmm. a few minutes in the morning to pray and just dedicate your day to God a few minutes in the evening to look back and to thank him for what's happened or maybe, maybe invite him to, um, you know, in, invade into some spaces that were more challenging. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the key here is not adding stuff right now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's important for us, you know, maybe we're eliminating some things, maybe we're spending less time on our phones We're putting it away for an hour um, you know, one of the, one of the big ones is, um, you know, for, they say that about 93% of millennials sleep with their phones beside them. I know I do. So I'm an honorary millennial and, um, I, uh, uh, neuroscientists, they'll say that the first thing you look at in the morning, the last thing you look at at night has a huge impact on your brain yeah. and a huge impact on what you're doing. So if you're scrolling through social media, seeing all kinds of beautiful, famous people, or, you know, watching some show on TV, those are the things that are going to actually shape you. So it could be something as simple as that, just that, you know, we take five minutes to sit on the edge of our bed, take a deep breath, acknowledge who God is in this day before we look at our phones. Yeah. So I just encourage people, you know, those are the kind of things maybe that would be good first practices. Um, and uh, and also not to be discouraged, you know, if, if, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't totally get this and I don't really know how this all works. What's really different about this than what I was doing before or whatever. Or if you're a person who's well down the path mm-hmm. and you've been doing this for a long time, then uh, keep doing what's working. Keep doing what's working and then be a resource to the rest of us yeah. that are looking to kind of figure this out. So uh, I just want to you know, leave a few practical thoughts there for people to be thinking about. That's great. And uh, I know we're going to keep talking about rule of life and keep talking about these ideas. Uh, and if you've got questions, like Chris said, um, again, reach out. We would love to connect with you. Love to yeah journey with you through this and even if you think no i can't do this it doesn't make sense like great let's have that conversation um chris thank you again it is always a pleasure to talk to you uh listeners thank you for listening along and we'll be back next week with more postscript